0: Good morning, and thank you for spending your Christmas morning with us. I trust everything is going well with you and your family, and you are enjoying Christmas, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so I just want to take a little bit of time here this morning to uh, share a few things with you. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter number 2. And uh, I'm going to read several verses here, but let's just um, read and look at these verses together. Matthew 2, 1 through 12 records these words. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7 says Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their country in another way. You know, I believe that we as believers, there's nothing that is a coincidence in our life, but rather everything is by the divine providence of God. You know, God loves each and every one of us so much that he will use events, he will use circumstances, he will use things, he will use people to reveal this great love that he has for us. Case in point, in this story, God used a star one single star out of the billions in which God himself had created to bring these wise men to Jesus. God used the star, and because of its close proximity to the sun, it outshined all the other stars to lead these men who many believed traveled from India to Jerusalem and eventually to Bethlehem letting us know that this was not an overnight joint journey it was not a weekend excursion but to me it speaks of a spiritual journey a journey in which we all take in order to discover our need for a sa- savior these men were seeking jesus all of us have this god shaped void in our lives when we're born. And many times we try to fill this void with other things only to discover that they never satisfy. They never fulfill that void within our hearts. I believe that God uses people and circumstances in order to bring us along on this journey to lead us to Him. Now here's an interesting twist to this story. These men, these wise men that we read about were astrologers, which according to the Bible, God's people were forbidden to practice such things. Astrology is divination. It's a divination art which teaches that the relative positioning in the sky of the sun, the moon, and the planets have an influence upon individuals and upon the course of human affairs. Well, God in his word tells us in Leviticus 19.26, not to practice divination or sorcery. So why in the world would God use a star to bring these men to Jesus? I believe there is a spiritual principle that we can apply to our lives. And it's simply this. What this says to us about God is this. God says, I will meet you where you are in order to bring you to where you need to be. I'm gonna say it again. God will meet us where we are in order to bring us to where we need to be. That's why God came to us. That's why God came to this earth. We couldn't get to him. So he came to us right where we were. I want you to keep in mind that these men were seeking and searching for truth. They were seeking God. The Bible lets us know that if you seek, you shall find. And we're about to discover that if these men sought Jesus, they found who they were looking for. Now, in the story, the Bible lets us know that Herod inquired of the wise men. And then inform them that when you find Jesus, let me know, and I'll come and worship him as well. You know, I'm a little bit leery of the Herods in the church. Now, what do I mean by that? I want you to notice again, Herod told these men, you find him, let me know, and then I'll come and worship him with you. You know, you and I have to discover Jesus for ourselves. No one else can do that for you. There has to be a hunger. There must be a desire to seek Him for yourself. Not only does that go along as far as salvation, but it also is part of our development as as we develop our relationship with Him. There has to be a hunger. There has to be a desire to seek after Him. Now, having said all of that, I still believe that God uses people in particular, those that are close to him to lead those that are seeking him to him. I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about once the wise men came into the house and began to worship Jesus, I can't help but believe that they were thankful for the star that God used to lead them to Jesus. God used the star as a guide for those who were searching to find a Savior. What if I were to tell you that God did the same for us? What if I were to tell you that none of us found Him by accident, but all of us have been starstruck? All of us have been led to Him by someone. You know, God used someone in your life and God used someone in my life who was in close proximity to the son, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. They were in close proximity to God. Someone in your life was close to God. Maybe it was your mother. Maybe it was your father. Maybe it was a brother or a sister or a friend or a grandparent or a co-worker, someone in your life was close enough to God that their light began to shine and it grabbed your attention. You know, Matthew five sixteen tells us this, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father, which is in heaven. You know, you looked at their life, you saw something in them, even when you didn't know what it was. You saw something in them that said, there's something different about this person. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something that they have that I don't have. And God lit that person so bright that they got your attention. God used them as a travel guide to get you to the Savior. And the truth is, if their light had not been so bright, you wouldn't have followed them. You wouldn't have been able to find the Savior because of them. I just want you to take a moment right now, and I want all of us to take this moment, and I want us to thank God for the stars that God used in your life to guide you to Him. Right now, go ahead in the comment section, give me a thumbs up, give me a clap give me some raised hands, just type in there, thank God for someone who was shining bright for Jesus who led you to him, amen? The Bible said the star in which they followed led them to a house. Verse 11, when they came to this house and they came in, The Bible said that they saw Jesus. Parents, grandparents, I want you to just lean in here for a moment with me. And I want to ask you a question, not in a condemning way, but I want to ask you this question today. Is your home a prepared place for the presence of Jesus? Can your children or anyone else who comes into your home Can they find Jesus like these wise men did when they came into this home? Now, I know that they can find, your children can find the elf on the shelf. You're probably tired of that right now. But I'm going to ask you a question. Can they find the Savior in their home? These men stopped in Jerusalem first. They were there in the king's palace. After all, isn't that the first place that you and I would look if we were looking for a king? We would look at or look in the palace. This is where most people look for Jesus, in Jerusalem. Let me tell you what that represents. It represents a religious order. You won't find Jesus in Jerusalem. You won't find him in that religious order. As a matter of fact, the scribes were there, the priests were there, The Pharisees were there in Jerusalem, and even though they knew about Jesus, they couldn't lead these wise men to Jesus. Here's why. Because religion leads to man, not God. But he wasn't there in Jerusalem, which lets us, lets me know that you could have a palace and you can provide your children with everything they want and everything that they desire. But you know, and I know, if there's no king there, it's all empty and it's all in vain. On the other hand, you could have very little as far as material possessions in your home. But if the king is living in your home, if your home houses the presence of God, then you know that you are blessed beyond measure. Because guess what? When Johnny grows up, and he will, and when, if unfortunately he begins to stray from the truth, and I pray that he doesn't, there's one thing that he will not be able to escape, and that is the residue of the presence of God that's in your home. You know, I grew up in a home where the presence of God dwelled. I mean, the Spirit of God was in our home. And even though I was a rebellious, rowdy teenager, I knew that the presence of God resided in our home. There was a reverence there for God's presence. And that made it very difficult for me to lay my head on a pillow at night, knowing that I was far from God. You know why? There was a constant reminder in my home of the presence of God. Now, why is that important, Mom? Why is that important, Dad? It's important because if someone is lost or if someone is backslidden, there is a conviction that comes with the presence of God. Not a condemnation, but a conviction. That's why I wanted to run the roads all the time. I was trying to avoid and escape that conviction, but I had a praying mother who knew that I could not outrun the presence of God. I could not hide from the presence of God. I want you to notice something. I want you to notice where the house was located. The Bible tells us that the house was located in Bethlehem. Don't overlook the spiritual significance of this town because it's in this that we find the secret to housing the presence of God. Bethlehem, as you know, means house of bread. Bread is symbolic of what? Bread is is symbolic, you guessed it, of the word of God. It's also symbolic of the presence of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You cannot separate the word from God and God from the word. They are one in the same. You know, one of my memories growing up as a child, was of my mother reading the Bible. We didn't have a big house, so it was it was hard to find a private place to read or it was how hard to find a private place to worship. And many times in the morning, I would find my mother reading her Bible with a notebook and a pen, taking notes, jotting down things, and just being... Uh, there with her Bible, reading the word of God. And depending on, upon how that day went, there were times when I would witness her doing this at night. And so, parents, this impacted my life. I want you to know that if you're going to provide a place where the presence of God dwells in your house, make sure that, you're, that the word of God is being read in your home. Make sure that your children see uh, there's a visible sign of the, of the Word of God in your home. You know, the greatest gift that you could give your children or anyone else, else for that matter is not a present that you place under a tree, but rather the Savior who hung on a tree. It's the greatest present that anyone could ever receive. You know, these wise men found what they were looking for. And when they found who they were looking for, they bowed down and they worshiped him. They offered him gifts of gold, speaking of his deity, of frankincense, speaking of his priestly duty, and myrrh, speaking of his death that would come. They presented these gifts to him, but they received a far greater gift themselves that day. They received the gift that each and every one of us, God said, I wanna give you. And that is the gift of a savior. God gave his son to us on Christmas. Behold, a son, a savior has been born and he's been given to each and every one of us. And with that precious gift comes forgiveness. And with forgiveness comes a clean slate, comes a new and a fresh start. And I want you to know this as I close today. This gift changed the direction of these men's life. You know, the Bible said that when they were getting ready to return home, they went a different way. That lets us know That when you have this encounter with this precious gift that God has given us, you will not leave the same way you came. In other words, you will be changed. He changes the direction of our life. That means that you and I don't have to walk through this life aimlessly. He'll put us on a path, a path with His purpose. And the primary purpose is to glorify and magnify Him. To let His light shine through us so that others will see Him in us so that we can lead and guide others that are searching for Him like we were at one time in order that they may find Him. You know, this Christmas, I want us to take time to do a couple of things. I want us to take time to thank God for those whom he used to guide us to him. Who were those Christmas stars in your life? Again, maybe it was your mother or your father or some relative. I want us to just take some time today and thank God. And maybe maybe if they're still there with you, thank them for being an influence and a light in your life that led you to Jesus and then I want us to take time to make sure that we make his presence a priority in our homes I think more than ever before our children or anyone else for that matter that's a part of our home needs to be able to know that the presence of God resides in our home that he's there with us And then I also want us, last but not least, I want us to thank Him for changing us, for redirecting our lives, for putting us on a path of His righteousness, and for caring enough about us to send His only begotten Son to die for us. Yes, today we celebrate God's greatest gift to humanity, his son, Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every one that are tuned in today and those who may be watching in the days to come. I just pray, God, that once again, Lord, that we would reflect upon your goodness, we would reflect upon your grace, and we would reflect upon your mercy, and how that you have gifted us with your presence, with your son. Lord, I just pray that we would take time to honor those and to thank those who had an influence in our life, who led us and guided us to you. And Lord, I pray that we would be that star, so to speak, that others would see Jesus in us and be led to him and call upon his name, just like we have. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you once again for being part of this Christmas service. On behalf of Jamie, myself, the entire staff of Life Point Church, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And I will see you next week at The Point. God bless you.